0: Just try and inform yourself as much as possible. It gives you a huge advantage in all your dealings. The reason that people read us from the top of the tree, the chief executive, to the guy who's just starting out, is to gain knowledge. And that
1: gives you a huge advantage in whatever you're doing. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers, and leaders. With thanks to our partner, Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking, and strategies to elevate your results. To get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast, visit joineliteagent.com. And for more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier on your clients, visit connectnow.com.au.
2: Welcome to another episode of the Elevate Podcast, where we delve into some of the most interesting minds in business and in real estate for the very best tips and strategies for you to implement to elevate your business. I'm Elevate Podcast producer Cass Charlesworth, and I'll be hosting today's show. Joining me today is Ben Wilmot of The Australian. Ben has been the commercial property editor of The Australian since 2013, and prior to that was a property journalist with The Australian Financial Review. Welcome to the show, Ben.
0: Thank you very much, Cassandra.
2: It's lovely to have you here today. Um, Commercial property is something that I think we we sometimes miss out on talking about, Uh, but it must be an incredibly interesting field to cover because it's this intersection between company announcements, big moves happening in corporate and retail, and then it's also straight real estate. So how did you come to be a commercial property journalist?
0: I joined the Financial Review in about 2002 and I covered both finance and uh, property and probably the natural home for doing that was the property section. Back then, newspapers were a lot larger and we had to write what seemed like hundreds of stories every week to fill it.
2: Excellent, excellent. And what does your average day look like at the moment when it comes to reporting commercial real estate stories?
0: Well, I normally leap out of bed and read as many of the information services that I can and what I try and do is find the best information that will be most useful for the readers Uh, and so we pass it down into what will be digestible for them and the most useful for when they're making decisions.
2: And how big is the commercial real estate team at The Australian?
0: We have access to about five or six different journalists at The Australian and they're traditional journalists who focus on areas like uh, offices and hotels and other areas of property But in addition to that, we have access to the REA team, which includes a number of economists and analysts as well. And we make heavy use of them to provide insights for readers.
2: I think that's one of the fascinating things about commercial real estate. It often gets lumped into the same box, but it's covering so many things. We're talking about CBD offices. We're talking about industrial real estate, small scale kind of commercial developments as well. What are some of the big trends emerging across the commercial sector that you're seeing at the moment?
0: I'd say probably uh, it, it's been a bit of a, a real boon while interest rates have been low, and that's drawn a lot of, uh, for want of a better term, mum and dad investors into the market, and they've done so through accessing things like auctions, and um, indeed, you know, some of the smaller sort of strata properties um, that are advertised in newspapers. I, I'd say that's still going very strongly. Probably at the very large end, there's um, a slight nervousness about rising, um, the cost of money rising with bond rates rising. And so perhaps that'll filter down through the market over the next period.
2: Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I know that some research came out this week from Knight Frank and they were talking about things like the vacancy rate. And they flagged the fact that the bond rates rising might trickle down to a little bit of nervousness. Um, yeah. How how long do you think that will take, and what will be the impact? Because we've seen pretty good investment in in that area recently.
0: I was going to say, okay, yeah, there, there could be a period of resetting over the next, say, six months. But it's important for small investors, I think, to note that some of that will be offset if they're already owning property um, by the income they're receiving, which could indeed be rising. So there is there is offsets as well uh, to the thought of rising interest rates. So it's not all a, a one direction story. I think you've also got to look at more holistically about what you're getting out of your property if you're a property owner or a property buyer.
2: It was interesting you were talking about the mum and dad investors. That's certainly something we've heard anecdotally because of what's been going on in the residential uh, market. So house prices yep. have risen, they've sold off their Investments in the resi market, and now they're entering maybe commercial, which gives that. Um, and yep. perhaps it's childcare centres, or yep. perhaps it's a boutique brewery. It's all those yep. that ongoing income that wasn't pandemic affected, whereas rental in the yep. resi se- sector was. Are you hearing things like that as well from agents, or are you seeing that in terms
0: there, of? There's a, as you say, there's a strong bias towards what might be called essential services, and that could range from anything from petrol stations to childcare to neighbourhood shopping centres. Anything, frankly, that didn't close and that kept going throughout that period certainly was proven up from a, a property point of view more than you'd ever expect. And so I think that gave a lot of smaller investors a, a lot of comfort about the income they'd be receiving from, from those kind of investments. And that probably gave them the confidence, if they were bidding at auction, to probably bid a little bit more than they uh, they would have once upon a time.
2: Yeah, for sure and let's move across to retail for a second because that's been an interesting sector as well. On the one yeah. hand you've seen the large scale retailers looking for giant warehousing space. Um, and there's been yeah. a few big stories about that in the couple of years, the past yeah. couple of years, haven't there? Are there any that sort of spring to mind for you?
0: It is an underplayed area because it can be, you know, like it can be a little bit dry to be honest, you know, the the, the notion of warehouses and industrial and things like this. But one way into it more recently has been the idea, perhaps simply put, that a lot of the things that you might have seen in, say, cities like Tokyo or Singapore, are almost certainly coming to Sydney and Melbourne. Those very large, multi-storey warehouses that you might see out near the airport, or um, indeed the new airport in Sydney, they're definitely coming here, and and that sort of has transformed that very big end. The companies are almost up to spending billions rather than millions on this kind of stuff, and so. That really has changed the way you look at that um, that area, basically. And it is a lot more interesting and it is a lot more investable, perhaps, for for people.
2: Absolutely. And I guess the other big um, issue that's happened over the past couple of years, if we talked about the CBD CBD offices, Mm -hmm. which, of course, have been through a big roller coaster, what are some of the things you're seeing there at the moment in terms of stories and trends?
0: The good news is people are returning to the cities. Uh, the other good news is that there is plenty of leasing activities we never really saw, even though vacancy rates did rise, we never really saw what, what might be called a great desertion from, from offices you know, where people did come back to them once restrictions were lifted and once various timeframes had passed after that. And I think that's shown literally at the, at the, the coal face of the say the leasing market, the, the smaller end of the leasing market we're probably going to start seeing larger uh, transactions and larger buildings getting going. And the thinking seems to be from some of the very sort of top companies and top landlords, if you want to get the people back in, you've got to provide a really great environment for them. And there's a lot of emphasis on doing that, probably a lot of money being spent on doing that over this period, and then probably the returns will come after that. Because, again, we've been through that crisis period and now we're certainly out of it. It's just what it looks like afterwards is the question, I suppose.
2: It's really interesting you say that because we recently covered the Game Changer of the Year as part of the annual Mm. REA Excellence Awards and this was a property management team who were bringing in Mm. the Neighbours Green initiatives to uh, a property in WA and this was a real value add to the leasing equation. So, yeah, have you heard similar stories? Absolutely. Like like
0: almost on a sort of a weekly basis, the... The, the impetus for the larger companies or even smaller, more dynamic organisations to move, and, and I think this will be led by government as well, is a focus on ESG-type initiatives, be it green buildings or healthy buildings, ways of working that, that actually attract their people to go there. And at that point, certainly rent's important, um, the payment of rent, but the actual the level they're willing to pay perhaps becomes a little bit higher if they're satisfied with, with all these other things.
2: It's going to be interesting to see how people adapt to that and what they come up with because there's definitely some innovative strategies in play. It'll be exciting. Yeah. Let's talk about what are some of the stories that have surprised you the most over the past, say, 12 to 18 months because it's been an interesting time in commercial real estate.
0: I could admit the the things that probably caught me off guard, and and these are are, are quite prominent at the moment, are some of the troubles that the house builders are having. Like, of course, there was a huge impetus um, you know, from uh, government uh, and, and stimulus packages to get housing going um, during uh, the pandemic, and, and that succeeded. But perhaps a corollary of that success has been too much pressure on uh, the providers and at, at a time when they've been hit by a whole variety of pressures, supply chain, uh, cost inflation, uh, heavy rains on the eastern seaboard, uh, difficulties in getting labour a whole variety of difficulties that sort of produced a bit of a crunch for some of those builders, particularly in Queensland and and probably elsewhere in the country as well, which is, um, it's sort of been a a bit um, unfortunate because, you know, it's almost there was a a boom, but this hasn't proven to be a boom where they've been able to um, deliver and then win, I suppose, you know.
2: Yeah, that one surprised us as well. They were really set up to enjoy this boom time, but then the rising costs and these fixed contracts that were implemented Mm. a couple of years ago uh, when we didn't have the issues with supply in the Ukraine, and that's impacting some of the biggest names in in residential building. It's very sad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So I'd I'd say I was probably surprised by that. Um, Probably also I, I did always wonder whether there'd be more trouble in, in shopping centres. But I'd say ultimately that hasn't really eventuated. There were certainly tense periods uh, during, say, the crisis or the pandemic where some very large chains made clear they didn't want to be paying rents during that period and they weren't protected under the various codes. But um, but then ultimately, while, while they may have um, changed their footprints, there hasn't been a very large uh, sort of... Conflict afterwards. There's probably a, a more gradual shift, perhaps, away from some centres by those people, but there hasn't been the the hot fiery sort of exit that that, that some of them were, were were talking about.
2: And I think we'd expected to see what they saw in the US a couple of years ago. You know, the Great Desert yeah. Mall. Well, of course, that didn't eventually. Yeah, yeah people did. Yeah, vote I'd, with say, it.
0: I'd say definitely some things changed. Um, you know, and and it, but what I've also found is on the ground with retail is. People talking about expansion chains that that did thrive during that period, and there were plenty um, expanding. And I think that then covers a lot of the people who who felt that they weren't happy in shopping centres, weren't happy with their arrangements, and and that and, and that 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 will lead to I think a period of of turnover and changeover, of course. But and so maybe the income won't be perfect for a period. But I do think that the thesis that they're not uh, going to survive or something is didn't play out in Australia at least. I thought that was interesting.
2: Um, Me too. I agree. That was an interesting one because it was very doom and gloom for a while there. So let's talk about what makes a great commercial real estate story. When you're looking for ingredients of a good story, what are you looking for?
0: You know, it does change. And I'd like to give an updated view of this as possible. Like perhaps going backwards. In the old days, a good story is a good story is a good story, meaning, you know, something that's exciting, um, you know, someone buying a building or um, someone, um, you know, suddenly selling everything or or even someone going broke. Um, And that's probably the traditional lens of it. Uh, And and the other thing is very large size, um, you know, that is, you know, a, a corporate takeover or something like that, which again, through the traditional lens, that's very exciting. But now I've got to say with the internet, we can see very closely what people are interested in. Often they're interested in personality, um, something they can relate to, uh, something that, that piques your interest. And, and it could be um, something as simple as the opening of a new outlet. So it, at a shopping center or something. So, so I, I'd say to people who might be thinking about this is don't be deterred by the size of what you're doing if it's interesting. Which I, which, which I wouldn't have always said. Like in, in the past, newspapers to some degree didn't cover um, some elements of, uh, of, of the news, but, but now they're very interested in things that work and have a, uh, a community dynamic as well, basically.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's true. And, and it's interesting that you can actually see the data of, of what people are reading and what they're intrigued with, and it, and it tends to relate to that what's in it for me factor. How does this relate? To me,
0: I I can give you an example that probably it's not my story, but one of the most popular stories to come out of Queensland is um, one of the shopping centres in Brisbane was flooded recently, run by Mervac. And just what they're going to do with it next has been that absolutely um, dominant story in terms of what our readers have um, have taken a curiosity about. So, and that's not to say we're not writing about corporate takeovers as well, but that's attracted a far um, smaller audience than. uh, than something about what's happening to a particular centre. So I do find that interesting if, if people are listening about, um, they might feel, oh, this isn't really newspaper fair. I'd say I'd be surprised and, and you can be surprised as well.
2: What tips do you have for, journal, uh, for uh, real estate agents who might be looking to reach out and um, get a story into the newspaper?
0: I'd say simply don't be shy and, and you know, because some of them think, oh, it's so difficult or won't work. Um, and, and, and then sometimes it doesn't. But but I think also the thing that does work is sort of just what I was saying, if, if, if they can imagine this being of interest, not necessarily to their partner because, you know, we've all got partners who, who may or may not be interested in real estate, um, but I think that um, if, if they can imagine telling a story and it being interesting to the people they're telling it to, whether it's a property sale, whether it's something they've got coming up, and maybe there's just this spark of interest in it. Um, for example, I think, I don't think we ended up covering this, but um, I think... Uh, there was a water tower in, in, in the Sydney suburb of Stratfield that came up and it just got such enormous coverage, um, you know, in terms of it just it being on the market for sale. And it's often quirky things that, that can, uh, can really attract coverage, which does surprise even the people covering it. So I'd say look for something that is just interesting um, and attracts attention.
2: Do you have any um, other standout stories of the quirky or interesting things? Um, As you say, quirky is interesting. It's interesting in residential real estate as well. We love bomb shelters um, or strange houses. Um, But any others that stand out as really newsworthy or exciting ones that have gained traction?
0: Well, the the other way of of doing it, and, again, this is something that happens with a lot of properties, and it actually is quite positive because by their very nature it can happen is... um, is the addition of a name or something like that, where someone's owned something, where someone's associated with the building. I think there's a building at the moment in, in Perth where um, uh, uh, Alan Bond once, you know, once you know, ruled the roost, in, and that makes the, the story oh so much more interesting uh, than than say a building in Perth being sold. So I think that that kind of thing, which doesn't always work with every property, of course, but you know, you'd be surprised that when we do uh, pub stories, where the, the people involved are. Perhaps retired sports people all that kind of thing it really does attract the reader and and, and by their, that nature it attracts the journalists as well so you know I think that's a that's a positive thing and, and luckily um, because of the nature of property quite often there is an association with someone who's either wealthy, famous or has some celebrity so, so it does it does work
2: actually yeah. And do you have any advice uh, about the things that they should supply to you? Should they be supplying a media kit or imagery or how can they help you tell a story?
0: Some of that stuff seems like a lot of work, but I always find it's worthwhile just to have anyway, because you never know, even if you didn't do it on day one, you could pick it up on day, day three or, or day, day whatever it might be, or even day 100, actually. And so even though it can be a bit of work to prepare that kind of thing, and even though it might appear to have initially flopped it always comes back. And I think that once you've prepared that material, it's a really useful base for, um, for anyone to reuse themselves as well and to, to, um, to do that. So I'd always say that kind of thing is actually quite useful.
2: And are there times when you pick up the phone and you're speaking with commercial real estate agents? And if so, how could they help you tell a story? In the main
0: way they they do, it, they're able to just, um, as, as funny as it is to say, there's, there's a, a trusting relationship because they sort of uh, not so much need us but they would like us to tell their stories and then you're able to tell the story and sometimes there's a, a, a thing where you might have to wait for them to tell you what the story actually is um, or in the alternative you might um, just work with them to best portray the story. That's probably the most common kind of interaction that they're keen to make sure that, um, you know, in whatever way they're represented, and also equally importantly, which is sometimes quite difficult, that they're not misrepresented. That, that's almost as important that, that they're not appearing to um, uh, to be um, you know involved with something they aren't involved with or something like that.
2: And in what instances would you go to a real estate agent to seek commentary or perhaps insight?
0: Oh, a lot of times. Like um, like we try and do um, uh, like trend pieces. You know, sort of once a week, if that makes sense. Um. Uh, if not more and um, and in addition to that we're in constant contact with the sort of the, the larger agencies to, to try and you know work out what their latest thinking is but putting all that aside with, with the individual agents you know like if something interesting is happening like just for example the, the pubs keep selling in New South Wales and, and Queensland just for extraordinary prices so we're constantly you know in dialogue with the people selling them and working out how to best cover it because They're very popular stories so you know and we want to make sure we tell them and they want to make sure that they they receive the i suppose the appropriate credit and acknowledgement for for doing them basically
2: i understand about a year ago that the australian uh launched a weekly 12-page lift out in conjunction with realestate.com.au what prompted that move
0: i think the two companies had always sort of worked together anyway and there was obviously a lot of sharing between them in any case but I think they probably just wanted to formalise what they were producing. Um, I can see from my point of view, in the sense that it was, it was a great print product to be involved with, but in doing that, I gained a much greater understanding of what they're doing. And it's simply extraordinary. Um, I was going to say, if, uh, I hope there's a lot of newspaper readers out there, but even if there weren't, the actual content of what they're producing alone on their website is really extraordinary. They've got a team of economists, team of analysts who just produce really good reports really thorough reports, almost wherever you are in Australia, you could gain something from, uh, frankly, going to their website, which is pretty easy.
2: When you consider who your reader is um, in commercial real estate reporting, who are you speaking with yep. when, when you're putting together stories? Who's in your head?
0: At first, I, I did actually, not, in the not too distant past, actually, when I after I'd actually um, launched this, um, I did think of, literally the the sort of the C-suites, so to speak, you know, the, the big companies. And through REA as well, I probably tried to reach a broader audience as well, like, um, which includes, you know, people who are interested in buying, you know, smaller properties, and also uh, people in tourism, and just a whole variety of things. I think it's become a lot broader than um, than what I originally sort of thought of. Like, uh, quite possibly, I, I had worked on um, financial review originally and of course that's a focus uh the large corporate uh, activity but in addition there is just can't do the numbers off the top of my head but there'd be more than 20,000 um uh, property deciders for want of a better word commercial property deciders who read each week and many of them are interested in trends that they can capitalize on themselves rather than for a big company
2: yeah and that comes back to as we were saying that the shift that we're we're seeing where people like mum and dad investors are getting involved in mm. commercial property and it's beginning to yeah. perhaps affect a wider variety of people. I mean, I'm not saying they didn't used to, they did as well. Like No, no,
0: but I think you're right. I think you're right with both the advent of both self-managed super funds and other forms of retirement saving. Uh, it's not uncommon for people, including particularly small business owners, to at the very least have to make a property decision whether they rent or lease their premises, uh, whether they... Um, whether they acquire them, whether they, whether they look to do some other, some other arrangement. So, so I think I am conscious also of uh, how, how uh, those kind of readers also might be looking to um, best run their operations.
2: And looking back at your years as a real estate, well, a commercial real estate journalist, we'll specify here, what's the favorite, your favourite story that you've ever told, the one that stands out?
0: It's a little bit sentimental, but I and uh, and this is admittedly without notice. It's probably not all the the there's corporate failure type ones, but I actually liked um, one that came after that uh, after the GFC was um, Stuart Lawrie before his um, bachelor fame days when he was dating various people. Um, he had a pub that went bad, and I did a story with he and his dad um, and about how they worked together and how they they. They, they were very different, actually, that, that you know, they weren't the same character at all. But uh, overall, what, what struck me was our family who loved each other and it was really nice. You know, it was a really great uh, story to tell, more so than perhaps the business story
2: that's the people of real estate and it comes back to the people of real estate it's it's about property but it's always about people and the houses behind them with all your experience in commercial real estate reporting do you have any big hit predictions of the big stories that will come out of commercial real estate in the coming 12 months
0: look i think we'll probably see at least one big property merger you tend to see one each year and one important thing to note is the share market has you know has really um, been pretty rocked recently and the property stocks have been hit hard, but the stuff they own hasn't really changed that greatly in value. So that's one to watch. And I think the, the rise, the seemingly endless rise of new bits of property, bed, healthcare and childcare and things like that, it's something that we can all access. You know, there's, uh, there's plenty of uh, small properties and syndicates and all that kind of thing that really mean that it's worth keeping up with, basically.
2: Excellent. And then before I let you go today, we ask this final question of all our guests. Do you have one last takeaway or final piece of advice that you'd like to leave our listeners with today?
0: I'd say just try and inform yourself as much as possible. It gives you a huge advantage in all your dealings. The reason that people read us from the top of the tree, the chief executive to the guy who's just starting out is to gain knowledge. And that gives you a huge advantage in whatever you're doing.
2: Ben, that is great advice. Thank you so much for joining us on the Elevate podcast today. It's been great to speak with you. And um, we look forward to reading more from the Australian in the coming weeks and months.
1: Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Elevate podcast with thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast, visit joineliteagent.com.